this may just be my most controversial podcast yet. Why traffickers traffic people? It was honestly something that I struggled with for a long time. I couldn't understand why the things that happened to me happened and what could cause someone to be so vicious and so cruel. I'm going to start out with the story of my trafficker, and then we're going to carry on to what I discovered in working with so many trafficking survivors and the patterns that I saw along the way. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Whores Do It Best, a business podcast. My name is Jess Rich, and we are journeying through the first 12 episodes of me sharing my story of going from a conservative evangelical Christian to fully believing that sex workers' rights are human rights and that decriminalization really is the safest and best option for people who are in the industry, regardless of why they are there. So thank you for joining me on this journey. If you are learning and growing, would you please share it with your friend? Give me a review on any of the podcast sites. It really does help and doesn't cost a thing. So thank you so much for joining me. Martin was my pimp. At one point, I met his parents, his family. I'll never forget standing in the living room of their little teeny house in North Portland, looking at the pictures on the wall and seeing a photo of his uncle on the wall. He was standing in front of um, a Bentley. He was standing in front of a Bentley with three girls on each arm, with a stack, a huge stack of cash, wearing a fur coat. His uncle, my pimp's uncle, was a pimp and a hustler in the height of the 70s when it was all the rage. And really, it was the only way for a black man to get out of the ghetto. So when Martin and his brother were teenagers, their father had worked their, his entire life to provide for his sons and never was able to provide beyond the modest means. He worked for the government and he wanted better for his sons. And so he gave them to the mentorship of their uncle and they were trained to become a pimp and a hustler. And when you see those systemic cycles that Martin himself didn't even stand a chance, he was trained to do it because it was the only option for a black man to come out of the ghetto and create a life that was different than what he had. His father had tried. They had tried so hard. And yet they couldn't escape. So when I met Martin, 25 years later, I didn't stand a chance. He was already so seasoned. He already knew what he was doing, and yet he was just living the life. Does it mean that what he did was okay? Absolutely not. It means he was doing the best he could with what he had to work with. Because see, Martin was at least 20 years older than me. I don't even know his real name and never have because he changed my name 
And he also used a fake identity. And so I have never known his real name or his age. He lived in constant fear, always scared of being a black man with a white woman. And I didn't understand those nuances until our tires got slashed and our windows were shot out. That was my introduction to the world of racism. I couldn't comprehend someone being hated because of the color of their skin. It was more than I could grasp. I didn't know because I only lived in the privilege of my own skin. And that's actually the nature of privilege is you don't know what you don't know. And when your eyes are opened, you can't unsee. Understanding Martin's journey allowed me to find forgiveness for him. It allowed me to set myself free of the bitterness and anger that I had because he was just doing something for a reason. He was trying to live a different life. Doesn't make anything that he did okay or any of the horrific experiences I had with him. But it makes it understandable as to how someone could choose to become a pimp. He was fighting for his own survival. He was fighting to rise above. Freedom without resources is not freedom. Because my experiences were that of being trafficked by an old school pimp in the mid-90s, I had a very specific pattern of trauma. And as I started sharing my story, I realized that other survivors had radically different stories. And there were lots of different types of trafficking. Like even into the sex industry, there were some people who were trafficked by their family. There were people who were trafficked by gangs. There were people who were trafficked by their boyfriend that was incredibly violent. There were people who were trafficked by all different types of people. And I really just wanted to understand what made someone become a trafficker. And when I looked at my own story, I realized that I could also be deemed a trafficker, especially according to the U.S. laws. Let me explain that. I was a bottom bitch, which meant I was the favorite. I was the one that was most cared for or most loved, whatever that means. It also meant I recruited. I brought people into the fold, and that in itself is trafficking. I think that's one of the nuances that people don't talk about. When we see these young people who are arrested for trafficking and they had these young people and they were selling them, how many of those people started out being trafficked only to go from being the prey to being the predator? It's a natural evolution. It's normal. It's human. So let's quickly go over the four major categories that I discovered for people who identify as trafficked and their traffickers. So the four major categories are family, gangs or organized crime, individuals, 
such as mine, an individual pimp, or trafficking of oneself. And I know that doesn't seem like it can happen, and there's a nuance there. But I have met so many individuals who felt forced, coerced, as young children, as young teens, even as adults, to sell themselves in a way that did not align with who they were because something happened within their family. We see this mostly within the LGBTQ community. When children are rejected from their family of origin because of how they identify or who they choose to love. The streets are welcoming and you really just need somewhere to sleep. And so it feels as though you are trafficking yourself. So you have your basic needs provided for and every single client feels like a rape. It hurts deeply because they're doing it not because they want to and there isn't anyone forcing them. It is society and the basic needs of survival that is forcing them into something that they don't want to do, that they hurt deeply about, and there's simply not a lot of options. This creates deep patterns of self-loathing and pain, or over time, complete confidence and pride that they've been able to take care of themselves. Every person handles it differently. And the self-exploitation can be some of the murkiest water because it feels one way, but yet the ability to provide is an incredibly powerful feeling. People like myself who were trafficked by an individual, we get some unusual, unusual gifts. <laughs> Don't know what else to call it. Fun gifts like Stockholm Syndrome and Trauma Bond and loving someone who says they love you but then treat you horribly. It's so confusing. It's the biggest brain fuck you can ever imagine. Because why does someone love you and then abuse you? It's confusing. You become lost. Love itself becomes distorted. Authority becomes distorted. And I've found that most people who become traffickers of this style, where they work alone, they're seeking their own pathway. They're trying to figure out how to get out of the life that they were stuck in. So many times, they come from complex trauma themselves. They don't know how to pave the way. They don't know how to get out of the situation they're in. And this lifestyle of pimps and hoes only seems logical. It's a way to escape the poverty, the frustration, the racism. It's a way to take ownership of your life and do something different. It's truly sad when a person needs to choose or feels that they need to choose a life of crime and domination over another person without consent, just to be able to fight against the systemic issues that exist in society. It's heartbreaking. Traffickers are people too. 
They have been people who have been discarded by society, left to only their own devices on how to acquire the resources that they need to survive. This is actually a great bridge into gangs and organized crime because the impact on survivors of gangs are, it's entirely different because there isn't the Stockholm Syndrome. There isn't the trauma bond to the one individual normally. These are generally, normally there isn't the bond to one person because they're passed from one person to another. It's more like a business. The gang itself, the crime family itself is the family and the individuals who are trafficked really are nothing more than like a brick of cocaine or a person to be sold. The individuals within the gang have their needs fulfilled by the other people who are a part of that community. So there isn't a need for the individual to find affirmation from those they are trafficking. They find it from the others in the others within their community, i.e. the gang or the organized crime family. <laughs> it, it's the needs are different. And so the survivors of gangs have an entirely different set of needs, a different set of pain and a different set of hurt. And really, there's a lot of safety in gangs. There's a lot of safety in coming together and working as a team. They say teamwork makes the dream work. Well, when your dream is to create the largest syndicate in your region, you will do anything to dominate because that's what's needed. It goes back to that raw survival. It's just done in a different form. Now, the category that surprised me most of all was families. I didn't know this even existed. And I do have to say, out of all the trafficking survivors I've talked to and work with, this is the smallest number, but it is some of the most ruthless, brutal experiences I've ever heard. People who were bred for the purpose of being sold. Entire families that create more and more children only so they can be sold. I think this is where, from this category, is where we get the toxic media that only shows children chained up and locked in cages. It's because it does happen. And it's normally within the context of family. So you have generations and generations of people who were bred for the purpose of being sold. Many times this also bridges into religious cults where it is their duty to be a sacrifice. I had a really hard time understanding how a mother could birth children to sell them, how a mother could allow this to exist it didn't make sense in my brain. I couldn't see it. I couldn't, I couldn't feel that level of horrific experience that would cause someone to say, yeah, I'm going to sell my daughter and I'm going to sell my son. I'm going to sell all of my kids because they're nothing more than an asset. I could not find in my heart compassion until I started to learn about the cycles 
and go deeper. We don't know what we don't know. And if for as far back as you can see in your family bloodline, people were bought and sold for the purpose of spirituality, for the purpose of sexuality, for pleasure of other people, if that's the only thing you've ever known, how would you know any different? If you've never heard of a family that was healthy, if you have been isolated your entire life and you didn't know anything else existed, that lifestyle would be completely not just acceptable, but worthy of being continued from one generation to the next. This is one of the many reasons why I'm so glad the internet exists. Because prior to the internet, people didn't have access to knowledge, to stories outside of themselves. We only saw what we saw on the news. We could only see what was going on by what the media told us. With the invention of social media, we've been able to see outside of the little boxes that we've lived within. We've been able to see outside of our family units. A couple years ago, I had a woman reach out to me. She was, she was in her late 30s, and her family ran the entire town. They lived in a small, small rural town that was comprised almost entirely of their family. And she reached out to me and she said, I don't know what to do. I want to leave, but I need to take everyone with me. There were over 40 children in the community. She was the matriarch, the one who was responsible for taking care of everyone to continuing the generational cycles. But she didn't know how to get away because how do you take yourself and 40 people with you? How do you provide for an entire community when you yourself were bred for the purpose of being sold? She hadn't known any different ever. This is also one of the reasons why I struggle with rescues, and we're going to get into this in the next episode. But there was no escape. There's nowhere to go because the diversity of people meant they would have to be separated. And ultimately, I wasn't able to help her. There are no resources that can help a community of that size, that can facilitate safety for an entire community. And yet these pockets exist all over the world. But because society is still arguing over whether or not they exist, or what trafficking is, or what sex work is, the arguing over the terms means that there is still an entire community of individuals who are being sold. And that's just the one community. That's the one woman. I have come across so many survivors of this type of trafficking, and the numbers are so vast. And yet, Compared to trafficking by an individual or by a gang, the numbers are relatively small, but the resources simply don't exist. I truly believe that people do and make the best decisions that they can 
with the knowledge and insight that they currently have. Sometimes the knowledge and insight that they currently have means they sell people to survive. They sell people to rise above. Does that make it okay? Absolutely not. Does it make it understandable? Yeah, it does. Survival of the fittest is real, and not everyone makes it out alive. In fact, none of us do. But some go much earlier simply because they have a lack of options. Understanding these larger cycles, the true complexity of what it means to be human in society, what it means to navigate poverty, racism, systemic abuse. It means we do all different types of things. Many of them are not okay. We behave in survival. We're designed to survive. Without options, what else is a person supposed to do? Thank you for joining me on this kind of heavy episode. It's some deep shit. We all do things for reasons. Doesn't make it okay, but it makes it understandable. On the next episode, we're going to talk about rescues. And that's going to be tons of fun, too. <laughs> this, is, this is my type of fun. Oh, well, thank you so much. I hope you have a magnificent day. I love you tons. Bye.